Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open it with me to Proverbs chapter 18. This particular month, I'm teaching on the power of your words or your confessions. And uh, Proverbs 18, verse 20 says, or we'll start with verse 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And can his mouth your saying, those who love, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So, you know, Proverbs is kind of broken down in a few little paragraphs of tidbits on how to live a good life. And it says right here, an offended brother, or brother offended, is harder. You know, uh, one of the reasons why people are offended usually is because of words, words that they hear. Sometimes offenses are a result of what we say. Maybe it's a result of some, what somebody else has said. But life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we always need to remember that what we're saying to people is so powerfully important. You know, we don't realize the impact it has on people when we talk to people. And this is why it should be our goal, number one, to always edify, build up, strengthen, encourage, see the best in one another. Secondly, it's always important to dwell on those things which are pure, lovely, and a good report. Why? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Thirdly, it's important, as we shared last week, what we listen to. Guard our ear gates and guard our eye gates. You know, most people who don't like me isn't because they haven't spent time with me. It's because somebody else told them something about me that, you know, is not probably true. And even if it was true, it's not worth to be offended over. But most people who don't like you or don't like me, it's a result of what somebody else said about you or about me. And so, again, if we can stop that by saying, you know what, I'm not going to listen to anything negative about other people. That's not my place to listen to uh, negative things about other people. You know, it's my job to praise God, look to God, and, and, and let Him resolve whatever issues may be going on. It's none of my business, you know. One of the things that we have a policy here, if you go through a new membership class, you'll hear me say, you know, one of the things we don't want to hear around here is people speak negatively of other ministers. You know, uh, we don't know. We weren't there. We didn't hear it. I didn't see it. You know, so why should I be filled with somebody else's offense by what went on? And secondly, the Bible gives you, if you're an offended person, every right and every biblical way to go and resolve that. And the number one thing that hinders people more than anything else from being successful in life is an offense. And this is why it says it's so much harder to win an offended brother. It's like having, you know, trying to get through a, a, a castle that's been barred. A, br a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. And it doesn't necessarily mean that person's offended with you, but once they get offended, and a lot of times we look at this inside the church, but it's not what's always goes what's on inside the church. The world is designed to offend you. It's designed to offend you, and it wants to offend you. You know, the Bible says that we'll, we'll see the rewards of the wicked, and the word wicked comes from a word that we get our word wicker from. How many of you have ever seen the wicker furniture? What's wicker furniture made of? Twisted vines. Isn't that the truth? Twisted vines that somehow goes around certain type of little things inside of it, basket weaving or whatever. And the word wicked actually means to twist the truth. 
the twist, it's a twisted truth. And sometimes people will take the truth and try to twist it in order to cast a bad light on somebody else. You know, and, and that's just as bad as, that's just as wicked and causes offense as anything else. You know, if you didn't hear it, you didn't see it, then you know what? You have the, the responsibility of saying, I'm not believing it. That's so important for all of us. Well, you know, I, I can believe it about that person if it's something negative. Well, why can't you believe that? Well, I always had some suspicious feelings, you know. And all of a sudden now you're validating that other person's wickedness or their offense towards that person they're speaking ill of. What would happen if we never allowed someone to speak ill of other people in our presence? What would happen if we put a stop to it? What would happen if we decided not to allow anything ill about other people be spoken of from ourselves? What kind of society would we live in if that was really the case? You know, and this is where God wants to bring us to. He wants us to live uh, an offense-free life. And a lot of times, offenses aren't, again, a result of what goes on in church. Sometimes you hear things from the news and it offends you. And the key is that you have to guard your heart. And sometimes when the news is, is, is um, uh, uh, um, one-sided or partial to get you to believe something that's probably not true, that's wicked. And so we have to be careful on, and I'm not telling you to turn off the news, but I'll say it like this, it probably benefit your life much better. Anyway, but uh, we have to guard our hearts from listening to wicked things, yeah. you know? And, you know, again, if you didn't see it, you didn't hear it, how can you prove it? You know, and there are so many different conspiracy things going out there, you know. And it's on, you know, it's, it, it, it's like, well, you know, this is going on. You know what this is going on. You know, and I just raise my hands. I go, I don't know that's going on. I'm not there. And even if it is going on, what can I do about it? I need to trust God. And some of these theories that come out, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and, and this nation's going to take over our nation and our nation's doing this and that and, and all these other things that are going on, you know, the evilness that's going on in the world and everything, you know, and, and all that other stuff that, that, that's going on out there. You know what? If I don't have any control over it, what I do have control over is this. I'm not going to listen to that because it will try, try to stop me from trusting God. And you know, those reports are offensive. Hello, somebody. And a lot of people don't realize that when they take those negative reports, they're taking an offense. That's how subtle the enemy uses these things. And that's why it's so important that we live an offense-free life. But offenses come as a result of words that we've heard. And it goes on and says, A man's stomach should be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. You know, a lot of acid reflux and a lot of digestive problems as a result of what goes on emotionally in our own hearts. Did you know that? You know, and what goes on emotionally in our hearts is, is, again, goes back directly to what we've been listening to or what we've been believing. If you believe you're going to have a bad day, well, you know what? Probably before the day's over, you will have a bad day. If you're looking for negative things, you will probably hear something negative. But, you know, we need to begin to choose to look for, for, for positive things because the Bible says we're to be a light in a dark world and we're to let our light shine. And then it goes and says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so, you know, we can either speak life into the situation or we can speak death into the situation. 
Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So it sounds like to me that if we speak death, we're being in line with what the thief is trying to do. But he said, but I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. That's John 10.10. Jesus came to give us a life and give it to us beyond measure. And so if I want to see that type of life come to pass, then I'm going to have to start speaking that life into these particular situations. I speak life into the situation. I speak love into the situation. I speak edification into the situation. I want to see God's best done in people's lives. I don't know about you, but I believe in God for God's best in your life and believe for God's best in my life. And so Jesus taught us the power of our words. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to start with verse 11. Mark 11, 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And so when he looked around at all things. Now, I purposely decided to use this particular scripture for this reason. As the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day when he had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And so after being hungry, he went to the fig tree and uh, he, he perhaps, and it says this, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the seasons for figs. So in response, he said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now let's just stop and look at this a little differently. First of all, Jesus went into the temple the day before, but he didn't react to what he saw immediately. He waited 24 hours. He waited 24 hours before he did anything. What would happen if we didn't react or say anything immediately if we'd wait 24 hours before we responded to something? You know, God doesn't want us to react. God wants us to respond. You know, in Proverbs chapter 18, you know, it's, 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 it's one of my favorite Proverbs because it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I got married on the 18th, January 18th. And so, you know, I feel like I, I found a good thing. But, you know, as my pastor was doing our ceremony, he says, you know, he who keeps his wife keeps his life. But he said, he said this, he who keeps his mouth keeps his wife. You know, I've learned over the years if I won't react, but if I'll respond. You know, it's when I react sometimes to things that kind of hurt, things that are displeasing. Well, don't you think here in verse 11 when it says that he went in the temple and he looked around, don't you think he was disappointed? But what did he do? He took time before he did anything about it. How powerful is that? What would happen if we just take the time and seek God? God, what do you want me to say about this situation? You know, and I, I realize there are sometimes, there are some situations where we're put on the spot, you know, and we're forced to say something. But in most situations, we're not always forced to make a decision. You know, if somebody said something to you that was negative or positive or expected some type of result from you, what would happen if you said, you know what, let me get back with you. Let me think about this or let me pray about it. Or let me find out what God says about it. You know, I know what God says about all these conspiracy theories that are going on out there. I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. 
You know, and so some of these theories that are going on out there are designed to put people in fear to get them to react. You know, that's the whole purpose. Did you know fear sells? Fear sells, you know. I'll never forget our elder at at Calvary Cathedral. Uh, He was a veterinarian. And uh, they put an ad in the paper or an article in the paper that there were some rabbit skunks in the area. And so anyway, in order to make a little extra money, he was de-skunking pets in order for the pet could go home and not skunk the house. And he slipped in one of his surgery and he popped the bag and skunk smell went all over and flooded the whole neighborhood. And he said the next day he had more customers coming in getting their animals getting rabies shots than ever before. Why? Because they were fearful of what they read. They reacted to what happened and once they smelled the skunk, bam, boy they were there. And what a noble business idea just to go ahead and get customers to come by letting the spray of a skunk. But the truth is everybody knows when you've been in a fight with a skunk. You know? Everybody knows when you've been in a fight with a skunk. So the best way to not get in a fight with a skunk is just to avoid a skunk. And so Jesus saw this. He came into the temple. I'm sure he was disappointed, but he waited a day before he reacted. And in the process of that, the next day when he had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing far, uh, from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see perhaps he would find something on him. And one of the things that uh, the King James says is that he happily went to the fig tree. And that word happily means that he went expecting. And you say, well, the Bible's sp- explicit there, Pastor. Why does it say it wasn't a time for figs? Why would he expect there to be fig trees? Because he was expecting the fig tree to go ahead and produce figs for his needs. Why not? I mean, isn't he a miracle-working God? You know, did, was figs and was the ability to produce figs in that particular tree? Can't that tree produce figs without it being seasoned? And so look at this. This is what's so, so interesting. And it says, and a response to it. Or the, the King James says, and he answered it. Oh, he answered it. You know, well, when you answer somebody, aren't you replying to a question or a statement? So he went up to the fig tree expecting the fig tree to do something the fig tree could do. But the fig tree said, no, I'm not doing it. So the fig tree was disobedient. I'm going to say it again. The fig tree was disobedient. Well, well, Pastor, you're kind of describing this fig tree as an animate object, as something that had a will and had a purpose. Uh, well, you know, I don't know if trees have wills and purposes and hearts and, you know, emotions. I've never seen a tree cry. But the truth is that that tree came in and it did not produce figs or meet the need of our God. It was disobedient. It didn't do it. It could have, but it didn't do it. And so what happens, what does Deuteronomy tell us in Deuteronomy 28? It says, all these blessings will come up on you if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. But then all of a sudden in verse 15 through 72, it says, all these curses will come up on you. And so Jesus said, let no man ever eat of you again. In other words, because of your disobedience, you will never be fruitful again. That's what he really said to the tree. He answered it and said, because you've been disobedient, you will never be fruitful again. And so they came to Jerusalem. Jesus went into the temple, and he drove out uh, all the money changers. And he would not allow anyone who carried wares through the temple. And then he said, it is written that my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now let's just stop right there. What is a house of prayer? What is prayer? 
Well, when Jesus taught us to pray in Luke 11, the disciples said, you know, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. So what is prayer? Prayer is really declaring what God says you can have. That's one form of prayer. I realize there's intercessory prayer. I realize there's praying in tongues. I realize there are other types of prayers. But one form of prayer that Jesus taught us, the most powerful, perfect prayer that you can pray in your own understanding is what we call the Lord's Prayer. And he said, when you pray, say. Or when you pray, declare is what that word means. And so again, he's referring to my house, our house should be a house where we're declaring the word of the Lord. That's what my house should be. My house should be a house where the word of the Lord is being said. A house of prayer. And what is prayer? Again, prayer is declaring what God says you can have. Prayer is getting in agreement with what God says you can have. That's so important for us to understand that when we pray, we say, and what we say can come to pass. You say, well, preacher, are you one of those guys who believe in that blab it, grab it, uh, confess it, possess it type preachers? Well, let me put it to you this way. Whose image are you created in? Genesis 1.26 said, God created you in his image. He created man to be in his image and in his likeness or to be like him. How did God create things? Well, Romans chapter 4, he, he said about Abraham, or Abraham said about him, he's the God who calls things that be not as though they are. You know, he calls things that be not out of the invisible into the visible, is what the Word of God tells us. You know, he actually created light. He created the earth. He created all the things that we have, everything that is in existence by his words. So do you believe Genesis 1.26 when God said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness? How did he create things? He spoke. And when he spoke, did it come to pass? Amen. Well, whose image are you in? So why can't you have what you say? You can't have what you say. You know, and some people say, well, you know, if we have everything that we said, then, you know, some things wouldn't go well for us. Well, let's look at what Jesus went on to say. So here in 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 verse 18, the scribes and chief priests heard, heard it, and they saw how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig dried up from the roots. Now that's a pretty quick death, isn't it? And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you curse has withered. And Jesus answered and said, Have faith in God. Actually, the original translation means have the faith of God. You know, I just want to encourage those who struggle with the faith message. You don't have to build up your faith. God's already given you his faith. You have the faith of God. What we need to learn and get the revelation is how to operate in that faith. God's given you everything that you need. Let me say that one more time. And thank you for that big shout of amen. God's given you everything that you need. God has already given you everything that you need. Because the Word tells us, according to His divine power, He hath given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. It's already there. It's already available to you. you know? And so when Jesus said, have the faith of God, He's saying, have God's faith. You, you have God's faith. When you were born again, you were born again with the faith of God. But it's a matter of learning how to use that faith, operate in that faith. The Bible says, since He's given us the same spirit of faith, let us say. 
So we have that same spirit of faith. What same spirit of faith? The same spirit of faith that Jesus had, the same spirit of faith that God has. He's given you the faith of God. Have the faith of God or you know, receive God's faith in your life. And then he went on to say, for surely I say, or verily I say, and the word verily or surely, the New King James says, but verily means, it basically means this is backed by covenant. I, I can't go back on this. This is something that absolutely is going to take place. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to take place. He said, verily I say to you, whoever, are there any whoever's here? Okay, whoever's, all right. So we're all qualified there. Says, and the King James, uh, the King James says, saith, okay. And the New King James says, says, with an S behind it. Saith means you say it more than once. Says means you say it more than once. So he's not just saying make a confession, believe it. You know, you can say it again. Somebody, well, if you have to say it a second time, you didn't believe it the first time. I've heard that preached, but you know what? That's just a myth. You don't have to buy that. Don't bring, believe that condemnation. You can say it as many times as you want to say it. But he went on to say, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and number one, does not doubt in his heart. That's the key right there. Don't doubt in your heart. What is the doubt? You know, it's not the doubt that God can't do it. The doubt is, can God do it for you? That's what a lot of people struggle with. Well, I know God, I mean, you know, I mean, after all, I mean, the favor of God's on some of these people, but I've never experienced that favor, you know, and, and I don't know if I ever will experience that favor. There's things in my life that, you know, I know aren't pleasing to God, and, you know, and all of a sudden he begins, the enemy begins to tell you why you can't have it. That's the doubt. And that's what we have to erase in our life. If God's going to do it for anybody, he's going to do it for you. Tell your neighbor, if God's going to do it for anybody, he's going to do it for you. If God's going to do it for anybody, say it again, he's going to do it for me because I'm his favorite. Amen? You know, God, is, uh, God wants to do these things for you. But, you know, the enemy has used, you know, our lifestyle or some of the places where we've missed it in our lives or our failures or our mistakes or even our sins to tell us that we're not good enough. And that's where doubt comes in. You know, we don't doubt God can't do these things. Most people believe God can do these things. But if we have that doubt of, will he do it for me? Or because we've been through something in life that didn't come out the way we thought it should come out or we didn't see some of the promises come to pass the way we thought they should in experience and in life, for whatever reason, we begin to think, well, will he do this other thing for me? Yes, he will. We need to really get rid of the doubt. So it does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says. Now that's the key. That's the key. Do you really believe you have those things which you say? Do you really believe that God's already done it? Here's what we have to understand. 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 14, 15 says, We have this confidence if we pray anything according to his will that he hears us. And if he hears us, we have those things which we have asked. Now, if God's asking us to pray for something, or again, as I spoke earlier, if God has given us a prophetic word, that means it's already done. That means it's already in motion. That means he's already provided it for you. Why would God tell you you're going to have this if he hasn't already provided it for you? That'd be like me giving you my bank account number and saying, go to the bank and, you know, get $10,000 out of my account. Okay, well, two things. First of all, you have to believe that, you, you know, you're worthy of it. What would most people say? Well, you don't have to do that for me, you know. You shouldn't say that. You should say, thank you. I received that. Let's practice that. Thank you. I received that. All right. 
And so now you believe you, you can, you, it's for you, it's really for you that, that I want to do this for you. So now you go to the bank and you give them my, my deposit number and say, I'm going to withdraw $10,000. Why are you going there? Because you know I have it in my bank to give to you. Well, the same thing's true. We need to be able to withdraw from God knowing that God's already done it for us. Amen. Hello, he's already made the deposit. All we need to do is do the withdrawing. Let me say that one more time. He's already made the deposit. All we need to do is to do the withdrawing. And that's part of believing, you know, uh, 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 believing what we say we can have. That's what God wants for our life. He wants us to understand that we have rights to what he's already deposited. He wants us to receive those things. So he said, whosoever shall say in this mountain, be removed and cast and seen, shall not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says, will be done, he will have whatever he says, or if I can say it like this, he will have whatever he's been saying. And I've been saying for years, the favor of God's on my life. Many of you have heard me say that, favor of God's on my life. In fact, the favor of God, you know, one day the Lord said, you know, it's not just favor, it's my, it's the favor of God. You know, everybody has favor, but no, there's a special favor on my life. It's been spoken over me. I speak it out all the time. Favor of God. I got the favor of God. In fact, when things don't go my way, I'm thinking, hmm. I'm puzzled when things don't go my way because I know the favor of God's on my life. And usually when things don't go my way, usually it means I need to back up and say, okay, God, you have another way. Because I really believe when, when, when the Bible says when the enemy comes against you one way, he'll scatter seven ways. I was praying about that one day. I was confessing that over myself. Oh, yeah, when the enemy comes against me one way, he'll scatter seven ways. And the Lord said, you know what that really means? I said, no, tell me, Lord. He said, that means I have seven different ways to help you overcome in your life. Amen. Wow. Think about that. You know, the enemy tries to stop on one way. You know, God's got another way. Amen. And another way. Yeah. And another way. I mean, you know, God just wears the enemy out trying to stop you from his plan from being fulfilled. Isn't that wonderful? That's God's plan for your life. But we have to believe it, you know. And so the key is, number one, not have any doubt that he won't do it for us. He will do it for you. Tell your neighbor he'll do it for you. And I know he'll do it for me. Amen. And if you're married, tell your spouse, you better stay with me because you're going to see God do it for me and you're going to have the benefits of it. Amen. You know, my wife likes being married to me. She really does. You know, because the favor of God so much in my life, she gets to experience that. Isn't that wonderful? When I, get, when I get blessed, I don't get to keep it financially. I don't get to keep it. She knows she gets it. You know, hey, did you get blessed? Yep, she gets it. That's right. She likes, you know, there's a benefit, you know. So, you know, there are benefits, you know, that God has for us. But you know what the key is? The key is, again, not doubting that God won't do it for you. God has a plan to do these things for your life. And whoever shall say to this mount, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says or is saying uh, will be done, he will have whatever he been saying. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things when you ask, when you what? Hmm. When you pray? So again, here's another valid when you, uh, uh, validation of when you pray, you say. When you pray, you say. You know, if God's done everything he's going to do, then why do we need to pray? But what we're doing is that we're putting in motion everything God has done for us when we pray. We're putting in motion everything God has done when you pray. Let me just give you a little example of the way I pray. 
you know, when I pray, you know, especially in the morning uh, here, and I don't know what it is about coming here and praying in the morning when I pray this way, but I begin to hollow the name of God. The Bible says, when he said, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be the name of God. So I begin to say, thank you, God, you are Jehovah. You're a covenant-making God. You're Jehovah Jireh. We all, oh, yeah, he's my provider. Well, he's more than my provider. He's the one who provided the sacrifice. It's more than just provision. He provided a sacrifice, you know, and made him who knew no sin in order to become sin so that I may become the righteousness of God. Wow, just because of Jehovah Jireh, God, you put me in right standing. What am I doing? I am proclaiming what God says about me. Well, since I don't have any doubt in my heart, I'm starting to believe that. You know what? Now that I'm in right standing with God, whoa, mm, I can ask anything according to his will. And I know it's in motion. Hallelujah. I thank when he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. I don't have to ask God to heal me. He's already provided healing. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, quickens my mortal body. He sent his word and he healed me. Glory to God. I don't have to ask God to heal me. I just need to declare I am healed by the stripes. Withdraw from that which he's already deposited by saying those things. He's Jehovah Rohi. The Lord will never forsake me. He'll never leave me. I don't have to fear anything, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. You know, thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. He'll, I don't have anything to fear. He's always with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. You know, and, and, and there's many names of God. And I begin to just declare who God is. He's, he's uh, you know, I ought to just speak in tongues about right now, shouldn't I? He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. That's where I want to go. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. That's where your abundance comes from. You know, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. You know, and so that's, that's what Jesus is saying. He said, when you pray, say. So I begin to say who God is. And when I begin to declare who God is, that's who God becomes to me personally. Amen. And then I begin to walk in, in a greater way. Why? Because I am speaking out those things which God says I can have. So therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And so Jesus is saying, you know, the key right here is that you need to believe that you've already have them. God's already done these things for you. God's done everything that you have need of. That's who he is. And so now that you can believe that, you need to begin to believe that you have them. You know, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God's within. What does that mean? Well, the kingdom of God's not meat or drink, but righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In other words, that's completion. Everything that you have is within you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, will quicken your mortal body or give life to your existence. What kind of life? His life. What is his life? Everything that you need. Wow, you can have the life of God here on this earth. Isn't that wonderful? But again, it starts with what are you saying? What are you speaking? And this is why Jesus was giving the disciples this lesson. He was trying to teach them. He said, listen, I spoke to that fig tree. And what I spoke to that fig tree was to give you an example of this fig tree was disobedient. And I answered it and said, no one's ever going to eat of you again. And I want, I want you to understand that whatever you speak, you can have. Whatever you speak, you can have. 
And so in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 19, and, and 19, this is what Jesus said to Peter after he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I say to you that you are Peter, on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he gives us one of the keys right there on the spot. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose in earth will be loose in heaven. The original translation says it like this. Whatever you bind and loose on earth, heaven will back you. Well, if you're an oracle of God and these things are in motion, you bind up the works of darkness and you loose the power of light. Hmm? Isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? How do you do that? By getting in a place of meditation and thinking about it? No. Binding and loosing is a result of your words. And so Jesus is saying one of the keys to the kingdom of God or operating successfully in the kingdom of God is by speaking out those things which I say you can have. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and weaknesses in high places. So we know that in the spiritual atmosphere, there are things, a demonic uh, activity going on trying to hinder what God has for us. Daniel encountered that. You know, and the angel came and said, you know, I, I, I had some resistance there. So I went and got some help before uh, I came to answer your prayer. How many days was it? 21 days. When did the angel say his prayer was heard? The moment he said it. The moment he said it, the prayer was heard. The moment he said it, it went into, it, it was activated. But what was there? Was some, there was some resistance. And, of course, Daniel didn't have uh, this covenant with God at this particular time. But we do. And so when our prayers aren't being answered, when we're not receiving the withdrawal that God has already deposited for us, we need to go and say, I bind the principalities and weaknesses in high places from hindering this prayer from being answered in the name of Jesus. Because whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And in the heavenly places, there are demonic spirits that are trying to hinder you or satanic spirits that are trying to hinder you from receiving what God has for your life. And this is why it's so important, that, again, that we begin to use our words to take authority over the powers of darkness. Are you learning something this morning? So we have that authority to pray. We have that authority to say. We have that authority to speak out and to expect. But again, don't doubt that God can't do it for you. He wants to do it for you. You know, one of the, one of the uh, um, scriptures that I think that's so important to, to dwell on is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things become new again. And then in verse 19 and 20, it says, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you may become the righteousness of God. You know, what is the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is knowing that you're in right standing with God, number one. But number two, the righteousness of God is knowing that you have certain unalienable rights as a child of God from God. It's your right to declare things and expect them to come to pass. That is your right. John 1.12 says, as many as received them, he gave them the right to become the sons of God. That is your right to operate the way Jesus operated. How did Jesus operate? Most of the time, Jesus operated by saying. He spoke. When somebody said, you know, they need a healing, he spoke to them, be healed. You know? 
He spoke these things out, giving us an example of how we can receive the withdrawal that God's already deposited. And that's why it's so important that we begin to start meditating on and dwelling on the power of our words. What are we saying? Are you saying what God's saying? Are you saying what the world's saying? Are you saying what the circumstances are saying? Are the circumstances causing you to speak or is what God's words causing you to speak? And so Jesus went into the temple and he saw the circumstances, but he refused to say anything. He backed away for a little bit until he knew what to say. And what, it is, what, it is, what was it he was supposed to say? You've made my father's house a house of den, but it's supposed to be a house of prayer. That's what he was supposed to speak. And he spoke what he said. He heard the father speak. And this is all part of our confession. This is all part of us saying the right things. This is all part of us learning to say the right things. And that is backing up and saying, God, what do you want me to say in this situation? Because you're in his image and you're like him or you're in his likeness. What does God want you to say about this situation? And take hold of it. And sometimes when it's something that's beyond our faith or our ability to believe, just do what the man said when he had, you know, uh, the son who uh, was having epileptic seizures or some type of seizures. When he was brought to Jesus, Jesus said, do you believe? He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, help me believe that you're going to do it for me and my son. You know, do this for me. You know, he's my son. If I could, if I could exchange places with him, I would. He's my son. I love him. I don't want him going through this. Help me believe you, God, because I've done everything I know to do, and nothing's better. So everything I believe that would help has not helped. But help me believe this time. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, in fact, you ought to take it a step further and say, I'm a believer. Say it right now, I'm a believer. I do believe what God says. And you've heard me say it over and over and over again, and I have a feeling I'm going to say it again. But I can have what God says I can have. And I can go where God says I can go. I can do what God says I can do. I can be what God says I can be. I can drive what God says I can drive. I can live where God says I can live. I can work where God says I can work. And glory to God, I can fly what God says I can fly. Amen? Come on, somebody. This is what God says you can do. But that's what we need to do as believers. We need to begin to confess. As we confess, what are we doing? We're making a spiritual withdrawal on those things which God's already deposited. We're making a spiritual withdrawal. It's like going to the heavenly bank, you know? And you don't even have to have the bank account. It's already sealed. All you got to do is just show up. It's kind of like that fingerprint that you put on your computer, you know? Anybody use that? Feature, you know, you put your finger and everything opens up, you know. Well, all you got to do is show up because your fingerprint is already known in the banks of heaven, in the heavenly banks, amen? So all you got to do is now withdraw. Withdraw that which he's already deposited. He wants you to experience heaven on earth. You really believe that, Pastor? Sure. How did he tell us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Oh, half of you know the Bible. What do you tell us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in There you go. God wants you to experience heaven on earth. He wants that for your life because it is an example of his goodness. And the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance or brings man back to him. And when God begins to see that somebody can cause spoils to come on your life from the most unusual sources, come on somebody, 
from the most unusual sources. And who said it was pastor who gave that $1,000? Let me see your hand. God bless you. Amen. I, I, I appreciate that so much. Glory to God. If I thought about it, I probably would have done it, you know. But, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about it. But you know what? As it is in a man's heart, so shall it be, you know. And you just caused me to be blessed by saying that. And I appreciate that so much. You know, God's going to increase me so that I can do that later on in life. Amen? He'll do it for you. How many of you would like to be that person who gives somebody a $1,000 because they have a bill they can't pay? Amen? Amen. Me too. Well, you know what? Say, I'm going to be that person. Get that thing in motion. God wants you to have that. How many of you can say, you know what? Instead of being the $300 for 12 people, I'm going to be the full payment for that child who needs to go to school. Amen? That's going to be me. Amen? If I could do it, I would do it. You know, but God wants, you know, God wants you to have it so that you can do it. Maybe not one child, maybe two children. Praise God. See, he's causing you to be a world shaker and a history maker. How is that? By helping this one child go to school. By helping somebody pay off their bills. By other words, taking that withdrawal from what he's already deposited from heaven. Begin to confess it. Begin to believe it. Begin to receive it. Begin to walk in it. And then begin to let it manifest in your life so you can manifest it in the lives of others. And it all begins with our confessions. God really does want us to raise us up to a place where we experience exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think for the glory of God. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.